I want you to take your Bibles out and turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. As we're in the fourth message in the Battle for the Mind series, and we're looking at dying to sin. If you look in your notes, you'll see this paragraph, the first five chapters of Romans, give us insight into Paul's purpose for writing. It's the gospel. Romans 1:18 through 3:20, we see man's universal need of righteousness, a righteousness that he cannot obtain on his own. It is provided for us by faith in Christ. In chapter 4, he uses Abraham as an illustration of righteousness by faith. In chapter 5, we see Paul recounting of how God justifies us in Christ. The justification of chapter 5 is basic to and underlines the sanctification of chapter 6. In these first 14 verses of chapter 6, Paul is talking about our deliverance from sin. Now, if you've lived any length of time as a believer, this is either your personal experience or you know people that it is their personal experience. They endure rather than enjoy their faith. It's a grin and bear it, grit your teeth, put on a Sunday front, pretend like my life is working, or you meet someone and their life seems to be radically changed by the power of the gospel. There's a difference between having eternal life, coming to Christ by faith, and having eternal life, and in having eternal life while you're here, living the abundant life. It's a matter of right thinking. When we are in Christ and indwelt by the Spirit, we have a new nature. Now, if you were to go out into an orange grove and look at the trees, and there are orange trees, you do not see an orange tree, and occasionally there's an apple tree. It is in the nature of an orange tree to produce oranges. It's in the nature of a peach tree to produce peaches. It's in the nature of an apple tree to produce apples. You should expect when you look at those trees to get the kind of fruit that they were intended to bear. Now, back in the storms, we, we lost some trees and had to cut down a tree that was hit by lightning. And uh, so just recently, we planted some crepe myrtles to try to fill in that area and, and fill in the gap and grow. And, and, and they're all white, except there's one in the one in the back, and it's two white blooms and a pink bloom. Out of the same plant, out of the same area, out of the same bucket, somebody mixed a pink flower with two that have white flowers. And I thought about it. That describes our Christian life if we don't work the Bible like we say we should. We say, well, two out of the three of the branches of my life look like they're supposed to look. 
I just got this one branch that's not blooming white blooms. It's blooming pink blooms. There's nothing wrong with pink blooms. It kind of adds an interesting conversation piece when somebody's over at the house. We'd say, hey, look at this. This is a little interesting. And you can start a conversation. But the truth of the matter is, when our lives are two times revealing the life of Christ, but we keep blooming out sin, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Our old nature is battling for a position of observation against our new nature. And so Paul writes this letter and he talks about Christ, who is the second Adam. Remember Adam and Eve ate us out of house and home. Jesus came, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, rose from the grave, and ascended to the Father. He's the second Adam. He came to restore everything we lost in the fall. So new living begins with new thinking. I can't think like my old self. You see, you and I do not have to try to be good or be better. We have to die to self and die to sin as the ruling principle of our life because of what Christ did for us. So the question becomes obvious, why don't we get any better? It's because we do not appropriate and apply what God has said in his word. So look at the wrong attitude about sin, Romans 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. I mean, Paul is stomping his feet in this word. He's shaking his head. He's shouting it and saying, No! How should we who died to sin still live in it? Paul is dealing with people that say, Well, now that I'm saved and I'm going to heaven, I can live however I want to, and then that, when God forgives me, that'll just show how much grace that he really has. No, that's presumption. That's arrogant presumption. The breakthrough of Romans 5 negates that argument. God came in Christ to restore what we lost. And so what Paul is saying is since our sin, my sin, your sin, required that Christ come, sinless Son of God, and die on a cross to deal with my sin problem. It is wrong for me to ever think I can do whatever I want to do and then God will just forgive me. That's an evidence of carnality. It may be an evidence of religion without life change. Paul is saying that there's no way that you can do that. God forbid that anybody would think that way. So what happens is we, we might never come right out and say every time I willfully sin and do what I want, God has to forgive me. We might not come out and say that. But every time we willfully sin and do what we want, we put a gun to God's head and say, you better do for me what you said you'd do. That's arrogant presumption. That's saying I can live any way I want to and God has to put up with it. God doesn't have to put up with anything. 
He put up with our sin at the cross and turned his head on his own son because he could not look at the sin that his son was bearing. That's the time that we need to look at and say, if that's what God thinks about sin, that he has to take his only son and give him to die for me, I don't need to look at sin like I can do it anytime I want to. Because we, we don't think with a renewed mind, we get stuck in this pattern of willfully sinning, willfully choosing to do whatever it is we do, whatever habit we got. We get stuck in the pattern of doing it, and we do it over and over, and we try to be good. That's the problem. We're trying to be good. We're not depending on the Holy Spirit. We, we try to be good, but we sin, so we confess it. And then we try harder to be good, but we sin, so we confess it. And then we try really, really, really hard to be good, but we sin, so we confess it. And then we come to the altar and make a rededication, but we sin, so we confess it. And then at some point, we get this in our mind at Sherwood. I'm not coming to refresh because I've already been to the altar once and it didn't do any good. That's not God's problem. That's our problem. It's not God that is failing. It's us that are refusing to think with a renewed mind. God did not intend for us to live overwhelmed and overcome by sin. Romans 6, 1 through 14, Paul is dealing with the principle of sin. He says that there was once a day when sin ruled us, controlled us. But when Christ came and we embraced Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, the principle of sin was overcome by the power of salvation. And God changed the ruling principle in my life. Second point, the appropriation of victory in Christ. So let's pick up in verse 3. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, Certainly, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that's a mind thought, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. In other words, Jesus doesn't have to come back and keep dying for our sin. He doesn't have to come back, live on the earth again, go to the cross again, be resurrected again. He died once for all. He settled the sin issue 2,000 years ago once and for all. But the life that he lives, continually lives, 
He lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Now, that's a lot of stuff. Those are a lot of words. And covering Romans 6, 1 through 14 in one message is impossible. So we're going to hit the highlights. There are three basic truths that you need to understand from what I just read. Number one, we have been baptized into Christ. We have been baptized into Christ. This is a clear, non-negotiable statement. It's a fact. It's in the inspired, inerrant Word of God. Say, well, I don't feel like that. doesn't matter whether you feel like it. It's what God said. That's what God said. We base our faith on facts. Now, Paul doesn't just say that Jesus died for our sins. He says our old life died with him. When my dad, in the last few years of his life, he did a do not resuscitate, a DNR. And when I took him into the hospital for the last time, and I said to the doctor, I said, do you have the DNR and are you going to put it on the door? And he said, we don't have a DNR in his files. I said, wait a minute. And so I had to go back in and have a second conversation with my dad and say, dad, is it still your wish? No, do not resuscitate. And he said, yes. I don't want any extraordinary means taken. I'm ready to go home and be with Jesus. Okay. So I said to the doctor, you write the DNR, and I want to see you put it in the file. Now, I'm having to say that about my dad, that if something happens and I have to leave that room and they come rushing in, I'm having to say, you're not going to rush in and resuscitate him because he doesn't want to be resuscitated. What Paul is saying is there is a DNR on your door of your heart. But if you take the sign down, the devil says, let's go in and resuscitate that old nature. Let's go in and breathe life into sin again in their heart and in their mind. Let's resurrect that which God killed. Let's bring it back to life. When we don't think right, we keep digging up the old man and trying to breathe life into him. And so we're there, we're doing CPR, we're resuscitating. Why? Because we love to sin. And the reason we love to sin is because that's our old nature, but Christ died to take away that desire and that power in our lives. We do not have to be resuscitated to sin. What we need to do is breathe life into the Word of God and what it says, and say to our flesh and to the devil, what you're trying to do to me, God has already overcome, and I reject the thought. 
His victory is my victory. Secondly, we've been baptized in the Spirit. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit came to live in your heart. The Holy Spirit does not come in degrees or in sections. The Holy Spirit doesn't come. If you got saved when you were seven, he, you, you didn't get just a little bit of the Holy Spirit. And then when you're 10, you get a little more. And when you're 15, you get a little more. When you're 55, you get a little more. And then just before you die, you get all of it. No, you've been baptized into Christ and into the Holy Spirit. It is to be dead to sin and raised to walk to a newness of Christ. When you died to sin, when you confessed Christ as your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit came inside of you to indwell you and to empower you to live the life that you cannot live on your own. You got all of Him you can get. The issue of sanctification is Him getting more of you. You got all of Him. He's just got to get more of you. This is not about being baptized in water. This is about what God does at the moment of salvation. The reason that God put our old self to death is because there's nothing good in it. In the resurrection, in the new heaven, in the new earth, when you come back with Jesus at his coming, he's not bringing any of your old self with him because your old self had anything good in it. He's bringing nothing of that with him. Just new. All things are new. Look, look at it, verse 2. Dead means dead. I mean, dead means dead. Verse 3 and verse 4. Burial symbolizes we are dead to sin. It's symbolic. He's talking about this is what happened. We're not just dead, we're buried. Verses, middle of verse 4 through verse 6. Rising from the dead pictures the resurrection life we have in Christ. I've been raised to a new life. I don't have to live my old life anymore. Verses 6 to 11, we die to sin and gain eternal life. And in verses 12 through 14, sin must not reign in us because we are dead to sin. So, which is ruling is determined by where your mind is. The power of sin or the power of the Spirit? The power of sin, which you say, well, you know, I just can't, I can't help it. No. Or the power of the Spirit. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, the next verse that's going to come up says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 50% at least of the people that I hear quote that verse don't quote that verse correctly. And that's why they're defeated. Here's how they quote that verse. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You're not that good. You're not that strong. I'll tell you what, I'm going to resist the devil and he's going to have to flee. That's not what the Bible says. And that's why you can't win victory. Submit to God. Why? Because God steps into the picture and says, get away. Leave him alone. 
He's standing on the Word. She's standing on the Word. They're standing on what I did at the cross. They're standing in resurrection power. You stand in resurrection power, then resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Because we're saved, we had no power to live the Christian life before we were saved. We had the power to be religious. We had the power to keep some of the law, but we broke one law. We broke all the law. And so we had the power to do some good. Lost people can do some good, but they have no power to be righteous. The old self only has power to take you down. When we were born in sin, we were born into Adam's family. And sin has been passed down from generation to generation. The reason that Jesus had to be virgin born is because sin comes through the seed of man. And your kids are cute. My kids are cute. You got baby pictures. I got baby pictures. But every kid is born with a fallen and depraved nature. And apart from the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ, your kid, my kid, will spend eternity in hell apart from God. There's no old Adam improvement society. You can't improve enough to meet God's requirements. We were in Adam's family, and it's been from generation, and it took Christ coming for him to move us from Adam's family to God's family. And one reason that people aren't thinking right is because they're thinking things like this. I'm trying harder. I'm doing better. I'm doing better this year than I did last year. I made a New Year's resolution I kept it for five days. Next year, I'm going to keep it for seven. I'm really sincere. You can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. Uh, I, I'm doing the best I can, or this is a good one. If I do my best, then God will do his best. You can't help God out. He does not need your help. He wants Surrender. Hey, you get pulled over, you get stopped, you go somewhere, and a police officer says, put your hands up where I can see them. What he wants you to do is have a position of surrender. So I'm not going to do it. You keep your hand behind your back, he's going to come to an assumption. A position of surrender. I can't help God out. I can't do God any favors. When I get to heaven, I will not say to God, God, you're sure lucky to have had me because I wouldn't have been here without a little bit of my effort. No. It's all Jesus. It's all of Jesus. The best is never good enough and will never, never be good enough. Thirdly, you must believe the truth. You must believe the truth. Galatians 2.20 talks about, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. You see, we didn't need, Vance Havner said this years ago, when we got saved, we didn't need a tune-up. We needed an overhaul. We didn't need to put new oil in an old engine. We needed a new engine. God's not trying to just tune us up and tweak us a little bit 
to make us better. I needed to be crucified and buried with Christ. Verse 11 and 12. Consider yourselves. Consider means to reckon. It's an accounting term. And it means to consider and to keep on considering. Don't stop considering. Every day, consider yourselves dead. Don't let the old self get back into your thinking. You see, the person that is thinking right is not making excuses. They're not justifying bad behavior. They stop thinking the wrong way. They don't let live what God said put to death. Another thing that I hear and you hear through the years is people saying things like this. Well, that's just the way I am. That won't work if you've come to Christ. That's the way you were. Quit going back and making it the way you am. Well, I can't help myself. Then why you got the Holy Spirit? Well, I know people worse than me. Hey, you don't have to have the worst sin to go to hell. You just have to be a sinner. And you need a Savior that has the power to overcome any and all sin. Well, most of my sin are just little sins. Where did you find that in the Bible? Show me the chapter and verse of little and big sins. There is no chapter and verse of little and big sin. Sin is what put Jesus on the cross. Little sins, big sins. That's why it could be somebody that's on death row that confesses Christ, or it could be a child in their home that says, I lied to my mama about stealing the peanut butter and eating it in the afternoon. They're both sinners. Now, one has greater consequence than the other, but sin is sin. All right, I love this one. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. Or here's another one. Well, if you'd have been raised in the family I've been raised in, hey, we've been all raised in families that are dysfunctional. If you have a family that's not dysfunctional, could we get a picture of you? I mean, every family I know is dysfunctional. We got crooked limbs everywhere. We got rotten fruit in every family. It's just the family I was raised in. Hey, there are people that have been raised in horrendous families, abusive families, families where they've been molested, but Christ has delivered them and set them free. And don't think if he did it for them, he can't do it for you. He can do it for anybody that calls on his name. You see, we choose to believe God or we choose to tell ourselves lies. Don't excuse yourself. He says, we've died to Christ. Consider yourselves dead to sin. So what he's saying is, don't justify what's been judged. Take God at his word. Thirdly, the process required. The Holy Spirit is fully aware that the self-life is crippling us, and the Spirit bears witness of the power that is available to us. The key is, are we listening to what the Spirit is saying? Are we reading the Word? Are we yielded to Christ? Are we appropriating what He has done for us? Look at verse 13. Look at the order. 
Do not present the members of your body to sin, but present yourselves to God. What comes first? Don't present the members of your body to sin, but present yourself to God. We have to die to live. You have to go to Calvary before you can get to Pentecost. And one of the reasons that people are living in defeat is they're trying to live on the other side of Pentecost and they've never been to Calvary. You have to go to the cross before you can get a crown. You have to go to the cross before you can see an empty tomb. It is at the cross where our sin is dealt with. Present, yield, a better word would be give over. Give over your body. Just give God your body, your mind, your heart, your soul. Jesus said it this way, die daily, take up your cross daily. Paul said, renew your minds. Paul said, to put on the armor of God, to be filled with the Spirit. You see, by death we share in his life. So look at these three things. We've been delivered from the penalty of sin. We have been delivered from the penalty of sin. Somebody say amen. amen. I was guilty, condemned. I've been delivered from the penalty of sin. We've been delivered from the power of sin. The power of sin. We have a new freedom in Christ, verse 6. He frees me from the control of sin, but he also frees me from the claim of sin on my life. And the victorious life is ours as a promise and a fact. It's ours, it's yours, it's mine, as a promise and as a fact. Don't walk out of here today and go back to the same defeated life you lived this past week. You've been set free, if you know Jesus, you've been set free from the penalty and the power of sin. You have freedom to say no to sin and to self. You have the power in the Spirit to say no to sin and the self. Well, I just want to. I just want to do it. When has that ever made you really happy? When has that ever made you sleep better at night? When you just sinned because you wanted to. Because you know if you're a Christian that it violates everything that Jesus did on the cross. You've got to choose to believe God and what he has said. Rewire your brain. So let me ask you a question. What seeds are you planting in your mind and in your heart today? Are they seeds of truth? Or are they seeds of lies? Are they seeds of truth or are they seeds of lies? There's a little track that we use around here called Bad News, Worst News, Good News, Best News. The bad news is we've all sinned and separated from God. The worst news is on our own, we can't do anything about it. We can't change it. The good news is Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He died a death so that we could live a life. 
The best news is eternal life and forgiveness of sin is a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't merit it. You can't be good enough to get it. It's a free gift of God. Now, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to invite you in a moment when we stand that you step out and you come. Before we ever sing, before we ever do anything, you just step out and you come. And find one of these men at the end of the aisle and say, I need to trust Christ as my personal Lord and Savior today. But if you're a believer, do not walk out of this building the same way you came in. Don't walk into, out of this building making excuses, justifying bad behavior, asking people to forgive you over and over again for things that you have no intention of stopping. Because you love sin more than you love the Savior. And you enjoy the sin more than you enjoy the Savior. I want to submit to you, start enjoying your relationship with the Savior. And you'll find that the taste of sin is not as good as it used to be. Let's stand. You step out and you come right now. Give your heart to Jesus today. Come right now. Get your life right with the Lord today.